Welcome, everybody. WTF. Welcome WTF. to Funkatopia. Yes, we are here. I am your host, Mr. Christopher. This is my illustrious co-host, Mr. Jeff Page. <laughs> and uh, we are very, very excited because tonight we are have an amazing, 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 amazing. How many times did I say amazing? I got to do it at least five times. Six, so one more times. amazing. Should I do one more amazing? Four. You did four. Four. That was only four. I don't know. I wasn't counting. I was just enjoying the word. I assumed that that was three. Amazing is four, and then another one is five. Hey, it was. She is amazing. Yes. yes. For those who do not know who is with us tonight, uh, she is a bassist extraordinaire, mm. and I am very honored to have her here. Uh, you and I got an opportunity to be able to see her here in Atlanta at the city winery. Um, you know, here's the, here's the thing. It, I'll just go ahead and say who it is for those just joining us. We have the amazing Nick West yes. in the house and, uh, she is in the green room right now. So we're going to go ahead and bring her in in just a second, but here, here's what I tell you. Yeah. Give me a second. Don't bring her in yet. I need to breathe. No, I we, need to breathe. We, we just, just calm. I need to come down here and <laughs> yeah, check my pulse. Hold up, hold up, check. <laughs> Taking a pulse. Oh. Taking a pulse. Okay. Yeah, we've uh, we were very fortunate to have seen her when she was here in Atlanta and loved yeah. the show. Of course, everybody yes. knows that. We yeah. talked about it. And, and and here here's the thing: I don't like City Winery in Atlanta. Well, right. I, I I like it, but I don't like it. And and the reason why I don't like it is a because they don't have lights. I mean, they have lights, but they're all just red. Yeah, it's like boop, there you are. So yeah, nothing no action happening. It's just it's it's just blah. Yeah. And then on top of that, the sound depending on where you're sitting is kind of awkward. But that night, I actually enjoyed because it was Nick West. Right. Right. <laughs> And oh, and the band, what? Oh, you know what? We won't even get into all that. We'll we'll talk about it when she's when she's out here with you guys. Right now, she's again, like I said, in the green room. Um, I'm good. I just brought her some coffee. I, I don't know crumpets. There you go. There she... <laughs> <Okay>. crumpets. <laughs> Let's not waste any more time. You don't want to hear us too yammering away and whatnot. But, ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome to the Funkatopia live stage the one, the only Nick. West. Hey y'all, what's up? Hey, what is going on? How are you? I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Well, it is it is an honor to to have you on board. And let me just tell you, I'm I'm just so uh we have a little bit of a, a feedback, a little bit of a buzz. Is it coming from me? I think so. Let me see. Probably. It may be a loose connection on where where it goes into the computer, maybe. Oh no! Hold on. Let's just see. Oh, um, it went away. Uh, it went away. It go away. Well, there's people on the roof. <laughs> what now? There's, there's people the on the there's people on the roof doing some uh, making some noise. So you may hear that. Okay. It seems so far away, but if you hear that, you've got some great ears. <laughs> oh, that's all good. Well, it is an honor to have you in, and you know, normally I'm the one that that starts starts the whole show, but I'm going to go ahead and just turn it over to Jeff Page and let you start off because uh, it is so great to have you here. Uh, and Nick, uh, 
Nick, again, it's it's an honor for you to be on the Funkatopia live stage, and and you did an amazing show in Atlanta. We're going to talk about this tour. We're going to talk about some of your your history and whatnot, um, some of the people that you've been working with and what, because we want definitely want to hear all the stories, definitely the Prince stories as well. Yeah. But, uh, Jeff Page, kick it off, brother. I mean, why not? Why not? Thank you again for being here. We really appreciate this and taking the time. Um, so you're between shows. You're on tour right now, right? Yeah, so I'm actually, I have a little break. I A week and a half before my next show. Yes. Yeah, yeah we know that's not a lot of time. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. So uh, we've been digging. Digging, 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 trying to find some history because we know you've done, you know, throughout the years, you know, a lot of different interviews. So, we, you know, our goal at Funkatopia is to try to find things that people don't necessarily talk about or that haven't been caught. Uh, we do know that you're from Arizona and you started playing at 13, right? Yes, yes. So uh, I want to mention your most people's first introduction to you. And uh, Chris, Chris had brought this out to uh, my attention. It was back in uh, season five of Glee. I think that's when people first kind of got a feel for you. So, and tell us about the show. Like, how'd you how'd you get that gig? You know, what was it like in the TV world for? So you're, I'm sorry, you're. Oh, there you go. You're you're back. It was a little pause. Yeah. Oh my God. So, I don't even remember how that happened. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know exactly who recommended me for this, but there was somebody that was a part of the whole team that said, hey, we need to get Nick West. I don't mm. know who that was, but thank you to whomever that was. And I got a phone call. Wow. It wasn't anything I had to audition for, or anything that I you know, submitted for. I, I just got a phone call that, hey, we want you on the set in two days. <laughs> <laughs> you just showed up. Like, Let's do I it. showed up. I showed up. They said, show up, dress, do, do you. We have wardrobe, but the way that you dress and your whole vibe, I don't think we're going to be able to have it. We're not going to have anything to, to match that. So just come dressed. <laughs> and you did. And you did. I did. I mean, you're, we're just looking at this lineup here, this, this group photo. For those who are listening, uh, we're just looking at this group photo here. You stand out. It's <laughs> <laughs> in this yeah. whole cast of characters and uh, just like you did all of season five and i mean certainly did you find like you had to first off let me just say that you are amazingly toned down right now right? i'm so used to seeing you with the purple hair or crazy hair or some some sort of like balls or barrettes or <laughs> right. neon colors in my hair right look right. i don't know i don't know how to act when i get my hair straightened i was like Look, just do something. I want to blend in with society for the next week. And this is what we came up with. <laughs> if we passed on the street, I probably would not recognize you. And and that's a blessing. All right. right. It gives you a little a bit blessing. of freedom. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's amazing. But like in this particular, as far as talking about the show Glee, and this is specifically on season five, did you feel like, you know, when you were marketing, we're going to talk about how you marketed yourself, how you presented yourself on stage and just your, your persona and everything that you put on the stage. You were kind of already doing that already. You were perfecting what that, you know, who that person was, who that stage persona was. 
and now you've stepped into this scenario and while you've got a bunch of you know kids that are this is very fame like if you remember that tv show mm. and did you feel like you had to tone yourself down for the show to kind of blend in a little bit better or do they tell you to tone it down or no you know what not at all i just i feel like i was allowed to be me i have always been that girl that it's not for me it's not just about put on a costume and become this person or this character it's i that's who i am on the inside i've always been a clown i've always been somebody that wanted to go against the grain and do it different and look different and just be different and i just feel like the purple hair was like boom before you get to before my i open my mouth you already know that i'm different and i'm unique and i'm crazy and i'm cool and i'm a clown you know <laughs> so i just feel like i was able to walk in this situation and just just do me mm, yeah, beautiful um, i saw an interview you, you did a while back uh guitar girl mag guitar girl magazine and in that interview, one of the things you said is you'd love to do a collab with Sheila E. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I think everybody would, but you know, you tell us. Yes, I would love to collaborate with Sheila E. Actually, Sheila E and I are we're, we're really good friends. She's like, I, I feel like she's like my godmother or my auntie or whatever. Um, I actually met her first through working with Dave Stewart of Eurythmics fame. And he brought her into the studio. He had a, a TV sort of thing that he was doing. And I got to play with her. I learned this. We all learned the songs, the set. We learned the song. And it was like, oh, my God, I'm meeting Sheila E. We didn't have a rehearsal. We just started playing the song and just fit right into the fold. I walked up to her afterward and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm such a fan. Like, you're so awesome. And she's just like, oh, I know who you are. I'm like, you do? You know, you know who I am? She's like, yeah, you're Nick West. I, I know exactly who you are. Wow. So, I mean, she gave me one of my first big ego boosts because I'm like, how do you know who I am? But, you know, she watches and she's she's inspired by all different generations, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And she's. I'm not sure if she did that before. I mean, because I mean. I know that this was a bit, that's a big Prince thing. And we're going to talk a little bit about Prince in a minute, but that's a big Prince thing is that he was always watching local artists and artists that were mm -hmm. just coming up and just kind of making sure that, you know, he got to those artists early if he had the opportunity to do so. And yes, you know, that may have been something that Sheila adopted. I'm sorry, Jeff, I cut you off. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. This is perfect. I, I'm just, I'm just in awe of imagining you both playing together. I mean, <laughs> here you are being as humble as I'll get out talking about this is Sheila E. And I'm just imagining me being a fly on a wall going, Sheila E, Nick West. You know, <laughs> like Well, well, to be to be to be honest, at this time it was really early in my career. So it's just like, well, who's Nick West? Nobody knows who Nick West is. And I was just surprised that she knew who I was. Mm. Uh this is before I kind of like really went solo and started doing my own thing. I was playing in other people's bands as, as like a side woman, a side man. Um, so it was shocking to me, but I definitely need to get on that collaboration thing. Cause I, I think she'll, I think she'll, she'll give into it. I think she'll give into it. <laughs> Quick question about that though, too, because you said you were in the studio with Dave Stewart from the Rhythmics mm -hmm. and Sheila E and yourself. 
Is this a song that's already been released? Uh, this was something. Okay, so this that particular day, we were. It was like a TV studio that we were in, uh, filming different songs and stuff. That Dave Stewart basically invited his friends. Hmm. The people that showed up. It was Sheila E. Um, I, I don't know if you know who Judith Hill is. Ringo Starr from the Beatles. Uh, and Judith Hill also at City Winery. Also, yeah. yes, she yes, amazing, fire. <laughs> amazing, yes. yes. Go ahead, sorry. Um, Ringo Starr from the Beatles. So I, Dave Stewart would have these things where it's like Dave Stewart and friends, and this is how mm-hmm. I was able to meet all of these freaking legends. You know, <laughs> so yeah, it's wow. I, it's probably out there somewhere. It's somewhere in Dave's archives, I'm sure. But I don't think he's released it on as far as like a audio, the audio version of it. Wow. What, but there was a video version of it? That's what we were. We were filming video oh. at that time. We were filming video. Yes. But it hasn't seen the light <laughs> yet. Or has I it? might have it. I might have it somewhere. I have to go and look back in my archives and see if I can find this video. I'm sure I have it somewhere. Wow. So I want to take a second to talk about uh, some of the people that you've worked with uh, recently and just in your past, because, you know, I just trying to look over your resume and really look at some of the, the past artists that you've collabed with, worked with, shared the stage with. Wow. I wonder how that happened. Wow. How, <laughs> again, this all is really more to do with that onstage persona and that marketing that I was talking about, because that type of stuff is really attractive to other artists because it's like, you know, it's a lot of artists just don't do that. They may play really great music, but they don't know how to market themselves and really kind of get people talking beyond just the music. Yeah. It's such a difficult thing and you've done such a phenomenal job of it. But I know that, uh, somebody who is a huge fan of yours is the one and only Larry Graham. Yes. And, yes. <laughs> and you worked with him on the single uh, Thumbelina, and you actually played that in Atlanta. I actually have a video of you doing that. That's when uh-huh. we, we actually had seats right at the edge of the stage, and that was like one of the first songs I think that you opened with, or it was like one of the first couple of songs. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so he is a huge inspiration to a lot of bass players, really was one of the, the pioneers of the thumb plucking. And I, I did, I have, was paying attention to your technique and I- Look at you knowing all the history. Look at I, you. <laughs> I know that I'm watching your technique and I also see that you do a lot of that as well. So kind of tell me about your playing style. First, let's talk about Larry mm-hmm. and the inspiration that he was to you as far as your playing style. And then beyond that, as far as, you know, who are some of the other bass players that you were just like, oh, this, that's how I learned to play. Yeah. So Larry Graham, obviously he was even Prince's, Prince's mentor. Yep. So he's like, he's like the legend for the legends mm-hmm. and working with him was just, I, and I've done a lot of awesome things in my career, but hands down working with Larry Graham, that was in my opinion, the, the biggest thing I've ever done. Um, because <laughs> I know this sounds funny, but prior to meeting Prince, I didn't know who Larry Graham was. Mm. Sounds crazy, right? Because it's like, wait a wow. minute, you're a bass player. 
How do you not know who Larry Graham is? So obviously I'm from a different generation and my introduction to this slapping and popping and plucking and stuff was Marcus Miller. So I saw Marcus Miller and Victor Wooten and I saw them doing this stuff. Rhonda Smith from Prince doing this stuff. Like I grew up, you know, seeing Rhonda Smith do that, but not knowing that the person that influenced them was Larry Graham. And Marcus Miller said, he's like, oh, I am who I am because of Larry Graham. Like we, we are who we are because of Larry. Right. And when I met Prince, that's when he was like, mm, you need to meet Larry Graham. Mm. And so it was that, that those conversations really opened the door for me to really research and just do my homework on this legend. <laughs> Well, and, and speaking of Marcus Miller, I'm going to jump around a little bit because I'll play this 25-second clip because I've got to know the story of this, of you with Nile Rodgers and Marcus Miller. <laughs> That's a little 25 second clip of you on the stage with Nile Rodgers and Marcus Miller. So I've got to know the story of how that came to fruition. It was, it, I think it was by accident, but not by accident. Um, I was actually performing at this, it's a private party. And look, if you just, if you knew the people that were, that were there, the people that this party was for, these billionaires that maybe they own Twitter, maybe they don't, and other people. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it was out of this world. So I was one of the special guests performing for this. Niall Rogers was, Marcus Miller, and there were a, a couple others. And they wanted us to do something together. Didn't find out about this until probably 20 minutes before we went on to do it. Wow. So I'm like, wait, what, what, what song is he gonna do? Like, what are we gonna do? And so Niall, Marcus, Marcus was like, hey, you're gonna come on stage with me. We're gonna do Come Together. Do you know it? I'm just like, um, yeah, okay. So we did that and then Niall was like, uh, we're gonna do, you know, freak out. And I was like, okay, so, I go back, I start listening to the music to make sure that I'm getting the baseline right. Mm -hmm. And 15 minutes later, we were on the stage. <laughs> what I love about that video, for those who are getting the, the uh, audio only of this, what I love about the video is, is that if you pay attention to Niall, he is turning around and looking at you like Checking a lot. In. And he is just smiling ear to ear and just bobbing his head uh, you had to zoom you had to zone in on that when you were watching this video <laughs> i look i zoned in on it myself and the crazy thing is is i have these vision boards of people that i want to work with and niall rogers was one of those people i we mm -hmm. niall and i had talked back and forth but this is uh prince was alive and you know prince and Niall were really really close and um you know, we would just talk back and forth like, hey, I want to work with you. Hey, you know, all this sort of stuff. And he's just like, soon, I think you're incredible. I think you're awesome. And it just happened to happen 
that night. And afterwards, he's just like, I just, I just have to tell you, you are your pure magic. You're pure mm -hmm. magic. And I'm just like, me? I'm magic? <laughs> Says Nile Rogers. Okay. I'm magic then. So I, I don't know. It just, some of these things just kind of happen. And I've learned that I have to be prepared. Because though I knew that these people were going to be there, it was kind of like just a top secret thing. I didn't know that I was going to be asked to do specific songs with these artists as well until I, right before we did it. So I had to be prepared at all times. Wow. That's really, really cool. Um, the other, go ahead. You were going to say something, Jeff? Yeah, no, that, that goes right along the theme of what we often hear with musicians and people not realizing it is how preparation and how how prepared you have to be like really know your stuff and uh and if you're not prepared how you have to be one of those people that can on a on a dime go and you know that's it just go yeah you hear a lot a lot with people that work with prince is like prince they like 150 <laughs> songs and then you may play 10 of them at some point you know so yeah you know. and i know that's part of your story too we'll get to that but there's another connection I, I want to dig deeper into. And, you know, Jeff, we had talked about this last week on the show that Aerosmith is doing their final tour right now. That's right. Um, but prayers up. He had to stop the tour uh, yeah. recently. They just announced on he had to stop the tour. He's canceling like there's like about like 10 shows that are being canceled right now because of wow. his uh, doctor told him that he can't sing. But um so he's got to take a little bit of break. They're going to, they're rescheduling those for 2024. But I did find this picture of you and Steven Tyler hanging out here. Great. So tell me a little bit about this, this shot and uh, just what happened this night that you got an opportunity to hang out with him. Wow. That, that was the same thing. Uh, look, who knew? I didn't know. I was there just kind of with my manager. We were on a, Sunset Marquee or I forget the exact place that we were just for, you know, a get together, a party, just kind of like a hang. I didn't know he was going to be there. I walk in. He's doing red carpet stuff. I'm not on the red carpet. I'm just kind of like a spectator in the background, just kind of like new to L.A., trying to figure out everything. And he from the red carpet stops and is like looking at me. I'm kind of like in the background over here. And he's looking at me, the cameras are like turned toward him and they're interviewing him and he just keeps looking at me and he's, he points, he's like, hey you, <laughs> hey you uh, with the purple hair, come here, who are you? All of the cameras turn from him, finds me, turn around and point the cameras at me. And then I'm just standing there and my manager like taps me, like say something, do something. I'm like, oh, hi, um, uh, duh, my name's Nick West. Uh, 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 like, I didn't know what to say, what to do. I forgot my own name. Um, <laughs> so okay. then he, he was like, come here, come here. And I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, I walked to the red carpet and he's like, take some pictures with me. Who are you? I need to know who you are, your energy, your look. There's something about you that I, I want to know you who who are you? He just keeps asking me who I am. And I'm like, um, yeah, my name's Nick West. You know, I, I sing, I play bass. I do like funk music, rock music, kind of like all of it, blah, blah, blah. And he's just, he starts interviewing me. 
on the carpet. What? And yes. And so after that, you know, we just kind of hung out. He had a performance that he had to do right after that. He was performing with someone uh, this night. And then afterward, he came. He's like, I, we need to exchange numbers. Can we exchange numbers? We need to work together. You know, Lenny Kravitz is, is my best friend. And I said, oh, I, I know Lenny. We actually met a few weeks ago. So a few weeks prior, Lenny, Lenny Kravitz and I had actually met. He called me. Anyway, that's another story. Um, that's so get ready. he just <laughs> was like drawn to me for some reason. And we exchanged numbers and we, you know, just started texting, you know, we want to collab, we want to do all this stuff. So it, he just became a just a cool person to just text and chat with from time to time. Crazy. That is. That is Crazy awful. encounters. <laughs> and again, this all goes to how you market yourself and how you present yourself and the energy that you exude when you're out there in public and when you do things. I mean, when, it's just when you go to, and I'm okay. I totally understand where you were at when you first started talking to Steve and not being able to find your words. That was the same thing that happened to me when I met Prince for the first time. And you're like standing in front of him. And you're like, uh, uh, my name? What's my name? I don't know my name. What do you mean? Uh, yeah, I totally understand that. But you mentioned Lenny in this, and I was watching a promo video um, for you. And one of the things that Lenny had said about you was that you were full of energy, funky, and the look is hot. Let's talk about this marketing thing again. So you did mention that you talked with Lenny a little bit. Uh, how did how did you get involved? And that's just somebody else who also marketed himself really, really well. Yeah, seventies mm -hmm. hippie bohemian vibe when he first came out with "Let Love Rule," and he just he just had this whole you know vibe about Air him. About him. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was very, very. It was a very hip vibe, and yeah, that it, again, it's all about marketing yourself. But how did you connect with Lenny? I imagine the energy synced. I uh, this was after I had I had already met Prince. Uh, for the first time, I hadn't met seen Prince after that, but during after the first time I met him, probably a year later, um, Lenny Kravitz called contacted called me, and I I don't remember how he got my number. I'm not sure. I think oh I think maybe his guitar player Craig Ross hit me up on Facebook. Yeah, hit me up on Facebook, and was like, hey, what's what's your number? Gave him my number. I didn't hear anything probably six months, eight months or whatever. So I didn't think anything of it. And then I kept getting these phone calls, kept getting these phone calls. And uh, okay, so at that point, I had my phone on only let it ring if it is a contact. So if they're not a contact, I don't even get the notification that I've got a missed call unless I go into my missed call section. So mm. I, Craig Ross, he hit me up on Facebook and he said, hey, LK is trying to contact you. And I'm looking at my phone like, what? No, he's not. I don't have any missed calls. And I'm like, oh, wait, let me go to these. Sure enough, he was trying to contact me. And I'm like, OK, um, I'm ready. Let, tell him to contact me. So I'm sitting by my phone waiting and no phone call. It was like a couple of days before he actually called back. And I realized that he had called my phone like multiple times and I had no idea. And when we finally connected, he said, hey, let's let's meet up. 
He told me the designated area that we were going to meet. We got together, went into this boutique because it was a boutique and got there, asked the stylist, hey, let's put her in different things. So they just started kind of like dressing me for, <laughs> I don't know what, just they put me in tons of different outfits like, oh, that's hot, that's hot. Oh, let's get a photo. That's hot, that's hot. And then Lenny and I, we sat down and we had a long conversation and I felt like he was like an older cousin, you know? That's, that's how comfortable it mm. was talking with Lenny Kravitz. Just a cool dude is asking me different questions. And I think they had, um, we talked about food. I'm a foodie. Apparently he's a foodie. We talked about my mom's homemade biscuits cause that's like her specialty. We went in on the homemade biscuits thing. We sat around and we kind of ate a couple Doritos and stuff together. And we just talked about different things. He's like, he said, you know, we've been watching your videos. We've been on tour. And in the tour bus, the band and I, we've just been on YouTube watching all your videos and we think you're incredible. You did that Teen Town cover and just, it, it's, it's just crazy to think that it's not just us random people, you know, on YouTube watching videos of people we like. It's people like Lenny Kravitz and people like Prince and they're literally watching. So I'm like, look, I need to go and uh, curate my videos to make right. sure that that they're awesome and that I really am marketing myself the right way. Apparently it worked. But uh, we, we just had a really good time, really great time. Yeah, that's how Prince connected with Judith Hill. Well, I mean, obviously she, she saw Judith on um, The Voice, but he started following her regularly, just kind of watching some of the stuff that she was posting here and there. And just, I mean, Judith, for those who don't know, she's just not an amazing voice. I don't know why she was on the she was on the voice because she has an amazing voice, but right. as an instrumentalist, yes, and the way she plays that piano too, like and then oh, and her family, her mama and her daddy be on stage. Yep. They're her band, and right. it, and I love, and that's why I love Judith and her story because it really reminds me of my family growing up. It's like my dad taught me these things. I had a band with my sisters, and that was my first band. My sisters and my dad on stage together doing our thing. And that's why I love what Judith brings to the industry. Yeah. That's, and I, I was trying to find a picture of, I also know you do some, you've done some work with Bootsy Collins as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Lenny Beeson has been acting, asking about uh, <laughs> you and, uh, but, and so I was able to screen capture uh, this from your video. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was one of, one of many things. <laughs> uh, so, and this is, I don't know what type of party this is. It looks like it's some type of house party or something. There may have been an album release party or something. This is, seems very, very Bootsy-ish. Yes. Uh, so tell me the story about meeting up with Bootsy Collins and, and how that all became. So for Bootsy, it was, that uh, he he's kind of been there since the very, very beginning of my career. Like the very first song I ever mm. put out there very first video I ever put out there. Somebody probably sent him this video. He got, he was on his Facebook page. He shared this video and he's like, this is like my granddaughter, my goddaughter or something. I, I think, I think she's got the Bootsy in her. <laughs> um, and it was incredible because that, that was the first person that shared just my whole thing. And it's been since then 
that we've we've been friends since then. And recently he asked me to write a quote. He's writing a book. I don't know if it's public knowledge, but he's writing a book. And he asked me for some words that I would love to say to that he could put in the book. And that just, I don't know, full circle. I feel like I have a little bit of booty in me and and he's just been incredible since the very beginning. Just, yeah, we've had that friendship for a long time. Man, that's just, that's fantastic. I mean, and we talked, we've been talking throughout this interview regarding the marketing of yourself, not just your music, but also your persona as well. I mean, the any artist. Clef. Right. <laughs> we know the bass clef. <laughs> <laughs> that um, I did not put that together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, any artist that is huge right now or even in the past um, has had, for lack of a better term, um, a, a gimmick, a, you know, just proper marketing. Lady Gaga in her meat dress, uh, <laughs> Prince with his over-the-top, controversial sexuality in the bikini, yeah. the flock of seagulls with you know with the hair, you know, talking heads and all the same as it ever was, same as it ever was. Right. It's it's all about marketing. So I really want to talk. I mean, even though the music has to be good, the visual and sometimes the music doesn't even have to be good. But this right. is true. The right. visual component is just as important as, you know, getting people talking. So what do you say kind of defines your style, the way that you dress, the way you do your hair, et cetera? Was it a total package or did you start adding pieces as you went? You know, so I think the the piece that was added was the hair piece. Um, and that was actually given to me as advice. I was working with Dave Stewart and he said, okay, what is it that you wanna be? Do you wanna be an artist that's just trendy and you're just here for the moment? You jump on trends and you, you kind of, you know, go viral for whatever trend it was that you hopped on or do you wanna be an artist that has longevity? And I said, well, obviously longevity. And he's like, well, having being an artist that has longevity Sometimes it takes you longer to get there, longer to establish yourself. And then when you establish yourself, then, you know, it, it does create that forever fan base. Mm -hmm. And he says, I think, yeah, you, you, you as a female on the bass, the way that you play the bass and sing and do all of that together, you have a, a really cool package. You are very unique. You like to dress unique, but I think you need to change your hair because I was just wearing, you know, my big hair, just curly big hair, you know, sort of thing. And I was like, what do you mean I need to change my hair? He's like, I don't know, shave it all off and paint your head green. I said, I'm not gonna do that. And he says, well, I don't know, something, think of something. And so I was like, well, I could do like a mohawk or something. I went to my hairstylist and I said, I want a mohawk. I want you to put my natural hair into kind of like, you know, mold it into like a, a mohawk of some sorts where it's still curly or whatever. Mm. We were looking at my friend. I don't know if you know who this is. Her name's Andy Allo. She had an, yes, Andy Allo. She has, uh, she had an album cover for her superconductor, her superconductor album cover. Mm -hmm. And she was kind of wearing this style that I wanted to wear. And I said, oh my God, 
she just came out with this album and it, she has the style that we were thinking about. I have to change it up. We have to do something different. We were literally at the photo shoot that day when I found that out. And my hairstylist was like, I don't know what you want me to do. I, I, I don't have anything else. And I was like, what about that purple hair laying over there? Like, what can you do with that purple hair? Like, let's, let's just use it. Let's take a mm. photo with it and see what happens. So we tried it out. She molded into this mohawk, took, took a photo, posted it on social media. And somebody was like, yo, this looks like a bass clef. Yo, this is dope. Yo, this, this is hot. So something that was kind of by accident, intentional, but an accident, turned out to be a brand. And that's how, that's how it happened. Man, that's... Uh, and I did not notice the bass clef part of it until Jeff Page, until you, you pointed <laughs> it out. That's very, very cool. Obviously, you know, that's what you get from a, a vocalist and somebody. Right. Play, so. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I don't know everything. Uh, but so here's here's a couple more stories before we kind of get into this. But um, we already talked a little bit about your work with Dave Stewart with the Eurythmics. And, and I wonder, now you said that, I wonder how much impact he actually had on Annie Lennox when they first started out back in the 80s with the way that she did her hair, how it was just this crew cut thing. And it was very, very stark and very, it was just the visuals of her. Uh, for those who were, you know, <laughs> we were born in 68, but the visuals of her standing on that stark black background with that crew cut hair and mm. waving that stick around. <laughs> <laughs> very it's it's a look that's right. it really is a look you know with that style of marketing obviously it was inevitable that you would connect with prince um he gravitate he had to gravitate towards you not just because of your musicianship but the marketing of it as well and you know i know that prince called you out and talked about how uh said that you had great stage presence yeah so i know a lot of funkatopians here I really want to hear the story about how he found you and connected with you and how that came to be as far as the relationship between you and Prince. Um, so I did something called the drum channel years ago with Hannah Welton, who was the drummer for third eye girl. Yes. And her and I, we connected her dad. I think her dad and my dad, like, connected and we ended up connecting and she was doing some feature for the drum channel and she's like Nick let's let's do like a bass and drums thing so we did that and she's been all about fusion and jazz and kind of just this rock so we did a feature on the drum channel which features the drums and she wanted me to be the artist that she collaborated with for this particular feature and she was all about that fusion and like jazz and rock fusion. And I came in like, let's do some funk and let's do some Prince. Let's do Let's Work by Prince. And so we rehearsed that song. And that's one of the songs we ended up doing for the feature. And in order to get clearance for that, of course, they had to ask Prince for clearance to be able to use one of his songs. And that was that's how he found out about Hannah and I. Wow. Yeah. That's very good. And, and here's a lot of people don't know this. Um, I think one of the first times I had laid eyes on you, 
I was like, it was during Liv Warfield's Why Do You Live video. Yes. And I was like, who is this woman on base that is that is here? And that that whole era of of Prince with with the third eye girl with Hannah, uh, you know, Hannah and Ida and Donna and um and Liv Warfield and Andy Allo and you know on the outskirts you had Leanne Lahavis and all those that whole era of when he's just really just crafting and working with so many people. Um I I, I need first off as far as that jam session that happened with Hannah is that out yet? I mean is that is that out somewhere where we can get to it? Yeah, or? the drum channel that was that was like like oh, so, the very first thing we did that yeah drum drum channel should have it in the archives or on YouTube. I know that it was posted on YouTube then. It's probably still there now. Um, yeah, hmm. they've got it. Because I, I know that they recently, probably a year ago, went back in the archives and started posting those that footage on Instagram. Yeah, so I don't think a lot of people knew just the, the level of involvement that you were kind of working at with, I mean, technically you were part of the new power generation really because you've worked with andy you've worked with Liv, uh you've worked with you've done some work with andy allo you've i mean all these people larry graham obviously to, to some extent he's not really mpg but you know he was part of that whole movement starting in 2000 mm -hmm. um i mean what other things have you done in that in that prince world that maybe was under the radar for a lot of people and that's 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 exactly the time that i met prince so I met him around that same time, right as Third Eye Girl was getting ready to form. That's when I, before it formed, you know, he kind of, Donna had just gotten there. Ida was already there for, I think, years. Uh, Donna and Hannah had just gotten there and then he brought me in. So it was me, Donna, Hannah, Prince, just kind of like doing these jam sessions and stuff like that. And it, it was literally like right as he was getting ready to name the band Third Eye Girl. So that's when I first met him, 2012. Is there anything that you, I mean, I love the story of how you, how Prince reached out to you to kind of do a little bit of a jam session. Yeah. And for those who have not heard that story, I would love for you to tell that story about how you got invited to come out and, and everything that transpired that night. Yeah. So, um, Back in 2012, it was November. I remember that it was November. He called me in the middle of the night. I won't say the middle of the night. It was probably midnight. Mm. And I didn't recognize the number, so I didn't answer the phone. I'm like, who is calling me at this late at night? And I don't know the number I'm not answering. And so anyway, to make a long story short, I ended up answering the call. And he says, hello, can I speak to Nick West? And I said, this is Nick. Who is this? And he says, um, I want to know if you want to come to Paisley Park and jam with me. This is Prince. It's just like, oh, my God. As soon as he said Paisley Park, it's like I already knew who it was. And then he said, this is Prince. Uh, and I said, yes, of course, I would love to come and jam with you at Paisley Park. Yes. And he says, OK, well, how soon can you get here? And I said, tomorrow. Hmm. He says, OK, we'll fly you out tomorrow. Bye. He hangs up the phone and first off, time out. I always got to figure out exactly how this works because if Prince says, Hey, you need to come out to Paisley park. Yes. We'll fly you out tomorrow. Are you getting, 
are you getting plane tickets in the mail? Is like somebody calling you and saying, Hey, your flight's at whatever, whatever you just go and show up and go, Hey, I'm sorry. How does exactly does that work? Yeah. So uh, he tells his people or whomever he needs to get the message to, and they send the message to me. So, you know, I got the text message about the email and okay, then the email and okay, this is your flight ticket and blah, blah, blah. And, um, then I was flown out there and, you know, he has his people that help him do this stuff. First class, first class or coach? I don't, did I fly first class or coach? I don't know, but I will say, um, I had been flying first class a lot already. <laughs> so I don't remember. Did I fly first? I think it was first class. I think so. Um, Were you stressing about which base to bring with you? Right? No. No, no, no. I knew which base I was going <laughs> to nah. bring with me. It was the base that I was the most comfortable on because comfort had to be everything for this type of meeting. Okay. Mm. Well, yeah. the, the funny part is how many songs you played that night in, in preparation for going. <laughs> That's the thing. So I stayed up all night just playing every Prince song that I could think of that I couldn't think of that I would just get on Google or Apple music or whatever and be like, okay, I, he's going to ask me to play one of his songs. So I need to just be ready for whatever he asked me to play. So I stayed up all night. I did not sleep. Hmm. I got on my flight the next day and he didn't ask me to play any of that. <laughs> he actually asked me to play Thank you for letting me be myself again yeah. by Sly and the Family Stone. And I was shocked because I'm like, you mean to tell me I stayed up all night working on Prince songs and we didn't even that whole time, that first time that I was there, he we did not play a Prince song. So, wow. but it was amazing because he gave me a firsthand lesson, hands-on lesson about this particular song. And that's when he inserted himself about Larry Graham and look, we need to, I need to introduce you to Larry Graham. So the very first time I was there, I heard about Larry Graham. So it's, it's kind of like Prince is like a fan, like geeks out over mm -hmm. Larry Graham. So why wouldn't I want to know who that is and, and everything that he brings to the table? Uh, so he, you know, sitting there, standing there, not knowing what to do. My fingers are not working. I feel like I just don't know how to play at all. And he's like, well, you said you know the song. You gonna play the song? <laughs> Sits down at the piano, he starts playing the song and I just, I freeze, I couldn't play. And he says, okay, I'm not asking you to be any of your favorite bass players. I'm just asking you to be Nick West. Because trust me, if you were not good at what you do, you would not be here. Mm. And so I feel like that gave me the confidence to just do me, like do, do what I do best. And so I started playing the song and he says, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me play your bass. Give me your bass. So I give him my bass and he grabs the bass and he just like, is like, brown, back, back, back. And he's like, just because you're a woman does not mean that you don't dig in. You dig into the neck of this thing and you 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 let all the boys know that you have arrived. 
this is thunder right here. And so that was my introduction to really being aggressive with my playing on the bass. It, it was it was amazing, a magical. I, that was magical. Mm. Was that pretty much the only, I mean, was that like the primary thing that you feel like he imparted on you bass wise that you still actively use to this day? I mean, either through that jam session or just even mm -hmm. listening to the way that he's, he's playing over the years. I mean, is there anything else that you take away from, from the way that Prince, Prince plays bass? Um, well, he and John Blackwell, who was his drummer for so many years, John Blackwell says, you know what? I think I know why Prince loved you as an artist and bass player because you play so much like him. Like you, you feel like you feel mm -hmm. the way that Prince feels when he plays the bass. And I'm just like, oh, shut up, John. You don't know. He's like, what you mean? I've been playing behind. If he picks up the bass, I'm the one that's been playing drums. What do you mean? I should know. <laughs> so, um, I think that's part of what, you know, drew him to me besides, you know, the marketing and the look and all of that stuff. There was a certain vibe and a certain feel that he looks for when he's looking for people to uh, play with and collaborate with. Yeah. And, and for those of you who've just, who haven't uh, realized it yet, this is Nick West, the great Nick West playing the bass. And uh, if you have not been to her show, if you have not been, I don't understand why, because you need to get some tickets and go to one of her shows. Not only is this an amazing story, uh, it's a fun story, but I really love the fact that you play the way you played it, and then you play the way he showed you to play it. And it just makes that story even, you know, more just <laughs> amazing. You know, we're all sitting in the audience like, oh, you know, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Right, you know, and that's the thing that the live demonstration of it, that's that's the killer. It's like I can tell you what happened, but when I demonstrate it, it's just like, oh. Yep. We yeah. we see what happened there. <laughs> Prince really gravitated towards artists and instrumentalists that really become one with their instrument. They just kind of merge and and just become one and just and, and I mean, one of the people that I also saw that you worked with, somebody that does this, uh, is John Mayer. John Mayer, if you've never seen John, I've I've known John for years. We uh, he used he was here in Atlanta for a long time. I've seen many shows of him playing at Eddie's Attic, which is a small little thing where we just sit and he'd just be sitting on a stool playing acoustic guitar, and then come out and hang out with about twenty, thirty of us, and you know. So this is somebody else who's, I mean, obviously when he plays, he just dumps himself into the, how he plays. What's the story of, of you and John Mayer here? Because this is also interesting to me too, how, how you got connected with him. So once again, I'm going to mention Dave Stewart. Wow. He was a person that was very important to the, a lot of the pivots in my career because Dave Stewart and friends, he would invite all of his random friends. And then from those friends and those connections, that's how I made those connections and was able to branch out and do different things with different people and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but this photo that you're seeing there, this was actually at the Troubadour uh, with Dave Stewart actually invited John Mayer. So it was me, 
John Mayer, Orianti, Dave Stewart, Judith Hill. So we were all there that night, and that's that's what that that's where that photo is from at the Troubadour in L.A. I, and I got I mentioned you mentioned Orianti. Is that Orianti that's playing guitar on your Back in Black cover? Um, no, that's not. That's not Orianti. That's not Orianti. But that's a good friend of mine. Her name is Ariel. She is an amazing guitar player. But Orianti was definitely her big one of her biggest influence. Orianti and Avril Lavigne. So yes, you probably hear that style yeah. kind of come across there. Yep. <laughs> well, in that video, we're going to talk about that in a second too. We'll, mm -hmm. I have like just a handful of questions here left, but you know, I, I didn't get an opportunity to see the entire video. It was just like a 20 second or like about a 30 second clip and every single piece of it, it was just a really quick view of her and she either had a mask on it or it was just very dark. I was like, is that Orient? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, there was speaking of which talking about performing with the greats, uh, you posted on Instagram this photo and indicated that you had to follow Sting. <laughs> Sting, of all people. And let me just go ahead and just say, the police on their synchronicity tour with the fix on their Reach the Beach tour opening up for them was the first concert that I had gone to ever by, wow. my, by myself. And wow. it was that was like an unbelievable I mean, wow. every, every other concert I had been brought to, that was the first one where I got on MARTA by myself and went into downtown Atlanta at the Omni and went by myself and sat by myself with nobody else. And, um, but I, I need to figure out how you got such a difficult placement of being, of having to follow Sting of all people. Explain that to me. I mean, when you saw that where you were in that lineup, what's going through your head? Um, it's really crazy. Uh, it, it, it was just the, the luck of the, the roll of the dice. It's just, it's just mm. how it happened. I don't know if it was just a roll of the dice, how it happened. I didn't realize that that was the, the lineup and I was going on after. I didn't realize that. I didn't know what time I was going on. Um, but the festival knew <laughs> the festival It's called a guitar and scene festival in France. And it was just so crazy because, and I'm just like, how am I supposed to follow Sting? Are you nuts? I can't do what, what? Right. And the band was just like, girl, you got this, do your thing. It's just, it's just more fuel. It's more fuel. So mm -hmm. I believe that's one of, probably one of the greatest shows I've ever played because I'm like, look, this audience is gonna throw tomatoes at me if I don't bring it. So I need to bring it. And I feel like we brought it. We brought it. So I just, just going on after Sting, though it was really hard, it pushed us to, yeah. to do even better than we normally do. And do you remember who had to follow you? No, I, I closed the, I closed the festival. Though. I was going to say, God bless their soul. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, that was it. Yeah. So I know that uh, you've been thoroughly baptized in funk, obviously. Uh, mm -hmm. But I was watching, um, again, that, that promo, and Dave Stewart, again, from the Eurythmics, mentioned that you were really connected to rock 
I think I do actually have a screen capture of of you within from the ACDC uh ACDC your cover of ACDC's Back in Black which is really cool by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talk about talk I mean it's obvious with over in regards to funk who the forebears are as far as you know Larry Graham Prince Bootsy James Brown etc mm-hmm. who are your cornerstones in in rock as far as you know if you're if you gravitate towards rock, who are the who are your rock gods? Look, ACDC, Pearl uh, Jam. Wow, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I love that song, Alive. I don't know if you've heard the live version of Alive. Yes. It's <laughs> it's killing. Like, man, the bass line. It, it, look, it's killing. And, you know, I love these artists in these bands for different reasons. Sometimes I just love the bass lines and, and the groove. Like for instance, um, ACDC, they, they kind of had this, especially with Back in Black. Yes, it's hard rock, but there's like a groove behind it. There's a groove underneath it that I just, I just hard. Like, I love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel, and okay, now this one is really, left field this this is probably left field for what you would think is left field for me but alice cooper <laughs> my daughter is a huge fan of alice cooper if for no other reason than school's out <laughs> alice cooper alice cooper i don't know i just feel like i don't know if, if you see me on stage and you see kind of what it is that i do i love the freedom like i love the the dressing up and playing a role and playing a, the, a character and doing all of that and I just feel like the the great rock bands they were about just freedom right. and that's what I love so much about it that's what I love so much about rock music is the freedom yeah you know we've talked a, a few times Chris has brought up marketing 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 but the one of the things I've noticed throughout your career and seeing the different things you've done even things I've missed and just saw in video you have always been bigger than any stage you've been on. And that's, that's the energy and the, the vibration, you know, that's, that's what you give. Okay. You know, you've been blessed by people, but your presence is blessing people at the same time. Wow. So, you know, thank you. That... Wow. Thank you. I, that's, that's a huge compliment. That's yeah. a huge compliment. I would have I just feel... huge energy. So it's just, yeah. it's that energy that you bring. It's just, it really is. It's strong. It's strong. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> when you came to Atlanta and, uh, and you walked out on the stage, I mean, already, I was already just like, you know, before you were backstage, <laughs> because there was no way I would miss the show. You know, it's like, I was already giddy because I'd been talking about you for years to people. And, uh, just when you walked out on the stage, it was like all of a sudden, where's the stage? <laughs> you know, like it it wasn't there anymore. It was just you. And Thank so- you. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I tend to love to do club type venues because uh, people are standing. You, I can, I don't know, crowd dive. I can reach out and touch people. So doing this uh, city winery in Atlanta was a diff- was really kind of. Atlanta and Chicago was different for me. It was kind of like a first for me, where it's kind of like, you know, you have your dinner and you're eating and and you're watching (laughs) this act. And I'm just kind of like, oh, 
should I be more jazzy? No, I'm crazy. I'm funky. I'm crazy. Um, so that was kind of, that was a little bit different for me. Mm -hmm. So when I came out on stage, I was like, look, I'm going to just give I'm going to just do what I do. Right. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't like step out onto the tables. That's the other thing that annoys me about City Winery in Atlanta. Yeah. Is they really don't give you any place to stand or anything. Yeah, if you're no really or dance. <laughs> It's just, you just got to sit there and just be like, yeah, I like this, but there's no place for me to move. Or to <laughs> right, right. Some of us have quick reactions, though. So if you had jumped out there, some of us might have caught you. You, know? you might have caught me like, oh. <laughs> We'd have been there for you. We'd, We'd have been, been there for you, right. Uh, next time, next time. And, and let me just say, um, your band. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. They were really they good. And I was sitting right next, to, right by the drummer. Oh, David. David, that dude is beast mode, was full beast mode. I was watching yeah. everything he was doing. Yeah. Even when things weren't going right, his earpiece, his uh, in-ear falling out and stuff. I mean, I was watching it all, and I was just like, this dude is just, he don't care. <laughs> oh, my gosh. People like you that notice all the details. Yeah. <laughs> That's a curse. It's a curse, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to enjoy a show, but not yours. So yeah. Oh, thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you. Uh, and I actually did post a clip of of when you were telling the print and talking about the uh, thank you for letting me be myself. The situation I did post a little clip about that, but I do actually have a clip of uh, Thumpalina uh, of you playing. So I may I may post that on Facebook at one point in time. But okay, I love your little the photos and stuff that you post on Instagram. And I loved this photo and I know that you're going as I know you're going to love telling the story behind this one here. Oh, <laughs> my baby. That's my baby. My baby. So you said you played at the Coliseum. I think as there was another Coliseum shot and I really, I didn't, I've never been here. So I didn't know that. Can you, there actually is an, a, an area to play inside of this venue. I, I'm just, I'm sorry if that sounds a ridiculous question, but is there a place to play inside of the Coliseum here? No, you can't play inside of it because I don't know. It might like all fall apart. I, I don't know. Um, it's mm. that old, but in front of, they have a specific area where, and I think this was a first actually where they had an artist perform on the stage. It's in near the right on the Coliseum. Uh, area. So normally, I mean, I don't think that you see that. I mean, unless it's kind of like street performers, kind of like, you know, playing some guitar and doing that thing, but to where it's actually a ticketed show, stage setup sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's it's kind of a first. Yeah, I think I saw I've some special on TV talking about it. there's a lot of scammers and, and con artists that walk around outside the Coliseum. Oh, we'll give you a tour. And, you know, <laughs> we'll do this, that and the other. But uh, this is really cool that you got an opportunity to play. I mean, the Coliseum, that's what it was designed for, was for shows and performances and things like that. So I'm just surprised that they don't have it set up that way. I don't, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a, a like a monument to where I, I don't think that they want to do that or maybe not yet, maybe in the future. But it was, it was two nights that I did. Uh, it wasn't a festival. It was just kind of me headlining two nights and I think it was like 800 people per night. We sold it out completely. Every single seat was sold wow. uh, for both nights. And so that was amazing. Cause that was my first time playing in Rome besides kind of like doing TV shows. 
Okay. I, Susie keeps asking this question. She's asking yeah. a bunch of questions. She says, does she like reggae? Does she play reggae? Any stories about playing with reggae artists? Right. So she I actually I actually have not played with any reggae artists, but in the beginning of my career, that was kind of the music that I was learning how to play because there it's there's a certain groove. There yeah. it's there's a certain not just groove, but there's a style, there's a sound, there's a tone, there's a whole thing that's involved with being a reggae bassist. So I learned how to do all of that stuff. And that's why, you know, of course even working with Dave Stewart or working with other artists that wanted to add reggae into, cause I know a uh, Joss Stone, Mick Jagger, Dave Stewart, A.R. Rahman, they, they had a song together where it was like reggae, the whole reggae bass, reggae kind of feel to it. And I was like, oh, I got this, I can play this. The muting sound. So yes, I definitely know how to play reggae with authenticity. Is that is that how you really learn to I don't know let's say cut your teeth on 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 finding that tone because tone matters and depending on the venue and the back line you know it's hard to make sure you get that tone is that really where you got that ear for it because it doesn't matter where you go that bass is the, is the bass you know I mean right. obviously style and everything that you do but there's something about that you know not everyone can do that right and that's and I did. I learned all about tone in the very beginning. I think, you know, I, I come from a background, a math background. I used to tutor calculus. That's how I made my money while I was trying to make it as a musician. So I'm, I'm all about numbers and problem solving and like tweaking things until it's right. So I feel like I'm like that with tone. So reggae being one of those styles that you're, the tone is super, super important and the technique is super, super important. That was really important for me to to learn that style early on in my career. And then of course the funk, there are a lot of people that do play funk, you know, they slap the bass and stuff, but it's, it's, there's something not quite there with some of the bass players that try to do this style because the tone is missing. Yes. So there's a specific tone that goes down to dialing that in just right so that it feels good. Yeah, you hear a lot of different tones and a lot. I mean, the way the Sting plays bass is a very distinct tone. The way that Norwood Fisher from Fishbone plays is very distinct tone. Mm -hmm. uh, Doug mm -hmm. Pinnock from King's X, very distinct. Tone. There's like these very distinct tones that you like. Well, well with Doug Pinnock from King's X, it's very he like likes to detune a lot. So a lot of times you hear it, it's <laughs> like, okay, yeah, that's that's Doug. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So and you have a very distinct style too, but you also borrow so much tone from so many different sources and inspirations, including Larry and, and Prince. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a melting pot of just all the best of it kind of wrapped together, which is one of the reasons why you're such a powerhouse on stage. It's really, really cool to watch you play. Yeah. For, for fellow, for musicians, it's, it's a interesting thing. If any musicians are out there and haven't heard, um, I've, I noticed that depending on the song, you play, I mean, your style, the way you play changes. It's not like you just play the same thing. You know what I mean? We're not talking about notes. We're talking about just the way you play. The, I can hear the fingering and sometimes we're, you know, just there's some nuances that you do that that fit. So, you, yeah, you, you got it. Yeah. Okay. Look, look at you knowing all the details. 
go in the details. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, that, that's important. The tone and I, I just like to play with authenticity, but definitely adding myself into that. And I think part of that too is being a female bass player, you know, they're kind of like, okay, can you really play? You know, we see people all over Instagram and TikTok and, you know, they watch us. Everybody's watching us female bass players like, okay, well, what you gonna do in person? Cause it's one thing to do 15 second video, but in person, do we have it? So I'm like, I gotta make sure I got it in person too. And the tone and the, the nuances, that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. So, so tell us about the Queen of Strings competition. Oh my gosh. So that, that, that competition hasn't been, it actually hasn't gone on for a, a while because I've just been so busy. But the concept of a Queen of Strings competition was finding female guitar players, female bass players, just women that played those, these stringed instruments, um, finding them, encouraging them, and giving people that have, haven't had the opportunity to get certain types of equipment, amplifiers and strings, just giving them these endorsements. So I think that's kind of what I did is I set out to find all of these female players. Like, mm. yo, who's next? Giving everybody a chance to just be seen. That was really, really important. Okay, and then you followed up and you had the base domination course. So <laughs> let, let, let's talk, let's talk. Base domination, okay. Base domination, inbox, DMs. Can you teach me how to do what you do? How do you do that? You did this thing in the video and I don't understand. I wanna learn how to do this. Mm. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Let me go ahead and uh, put this course together and teach people how to do what I do, because I feel like when I was learning, because I'm self-taught, well, like I guess YouTube taught. Um, and when I was learning, I had all these different YouTube videos and there were so many things missing. And I met Ricky Minor. He was doing the back then with the Jay Leno show or something like that. And he's a music direct director of that. And he said, Nick, everything that you know, you know very well. But what you don't know, you don't know at all. And that was the first time that I understood that, okay, I probably learned this from YouTube and I learned it really well, but there's all of these spaces and all these things missing in between. And I decided to package all that stuff up together, put it in a course and teach it to other people. And most of my students are women. So 80% of my students are women. And it's just like, you mean to tell me I have like, there's 600 something women in the world that want to know how to play the bass. And that was amazing. It was really eye-opening for me. That's wow. pretty cool. That is, that is, wow. <laughs> I'm like, okay, um, <laughs> if I got to wear a wig or something, <laughs> it's, it's going to be weird. I got enough hair, but I figured I can just. You have enough hair. But no, I have a lot of men. I have a lot of um, male students as well, but 70 to 80% are women. Yeah. So. Um, do you play the? You play the upright as well. You know, I learned how to play the upright. Um, the couple of years that I was living in Seattle, this was, you know, after Esperanza came out, I was like, oh, she is so cool. Like, I need to figure this out. I need to learn how to play this upright thing. And so I learned how to play upright. And there's a video that I posted years ago where I was playing Summertime on the upright, and I actually did um, something for Disney. 
Soul. Mm. The movie, Disney Soul with uh, John Batiste. Uh, oh, okay. They asked me to, they were doing a promotion of this movie and they wanted me to specifically to play upright bass for this promo. Okay. And so John Batiste, you know, he played the keys. I played the upright bass and I was like, that's so, right. I'm that glad I learned cool it. <laughs> that was such yeah. a cool movie. I didn't know that you were, they were part of that. That's really cool. Wow. Yeah. So, well, if we're going to talk TV, um, you know, we've got enough milestones to, to get in there. What about Catch Me If You Can? So recently, I guess, right, just featured on Netflix, the uh, Virgin River series, yes. I guess. Yes, How's yes. Feel? How's it feel? Uh, and, you know, it just it feels amazing. And fun fact, and I didn't post about it. And I, sometimes I, I don't post about my wins. But that was the second time that it was featured. It was also featured on a show called Amber Brown back in 2022 before it was like fully released in this version. Mm -hmm. um, and, but Netflix, Netflix with Virgin River, which is a really great show, high rated show, five seasons, and they use it for the perfect scene. The Sweet. perfect scene. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I just feel like there's lots of things that are happening. And although I thought, you know, if I have this baby, it's gonna slow down my career because that's what they make us feel or we feel or whatever. Right. But things have really picked up and a lot of things, great things have been happening after that. So, you know, I just feel very blessed that I kind of have my hands in a bunch of different things. My music is being promoted and shared and talked about in multiple different ways. I love that you gave a shout out to Esperanza Spalding and-, and an inspiration yeah. the the woman who broke the grammys in 2011 yeah right? i remember right. that oh my god How you that? I was like, who is that that's got to be wrong <laughs> yeah right right and best album so there you go and i'm trying to think if we had met already then i think we had already met we met we, we hung out we had dinner we became friends we're still friends to this day i'm like yo when where are you at she's like i'm in portland and i'm happy <laughs> i'm mm. like okay so she's like, no, just let me know the next time you're here and then we can hang out. Cause it was just like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm chilling right now. So um, she was a total inspiration for me. That's cool. Matt McMahon wants to know if you ever got an opportunity to play with Mono Neon. Oh my gosh. Mono Neon, Dwayne, you mean Dwayne? So I knew him. We actually came up together. Uh, we went to our first NAM show. It's a trade show that musicians and, um, mm -hmm. you know, guitar companies and different companies, music companies go to yearly. Mano Nian and I, we went to our very first NAM through somebody who's, his name is Jackie Clark. He's also a bass player, kind of like his uncle. So he got us tickets to come in and we all just kind of went around to the different uh, booths and stuff like that together. So I've known Mono Neon since gosh, our beginnings. So, and we have, we've done collaborations together. Um, there's a song called Purple Unicorn that he's featured on, uh, mm -hmm. on my <laughs> Spotify. Also, we, he, some cover videos that I've done, he's actually jumped on the cover, the covers and played guitar on those. So yeah, we are longtime friends. I feel like a total idiot. I totally forgot that he was on Purple Unicorn. So wow. yeah. I mean, long time friends, long time friends. Yeah, that's I feel like a nerd. Okay, that's all right. It's all good. 
Um, this actually happened uh, quite a while back, but I not a quite a while back, but a, a few years ago. But what's going through your mind when you see Rolling Stone post Nick West, the queen of bassists? <laughs> I, I tell myself, I'm just like, oh, that's a bunch of BS. You know, like, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know how I can be the queen of, of this thing. There's so many queens. There's so many amazing female bass players out there. Um, but of course, you know, these these articles, they do give me praise. They're giving me praise for what they view as great. Mm -hmm. And that's awesome. And I, I don't take that lightly. It's it's not BS, but there are lots of queens of the bass out there. And that's just what I feel about it. Yeah, so mm. who who do you feel is the queen of the bass? If, 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 the, if the title doesn't belong to you, who do you feel like it belongs to? I can't pick one. I can't just pick one queen of the base. I mean, there's there's what we would what I would call um, innovators. Michelle Degicello, she's oh, an innovator. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Janice Marie, Janice Marie from Taste of Honey, um, Boogie Oogie, she's mm -hmm. an innovator. You right. know, singing and playing the bass and kind of doing that thing. You've got like the bass players, and then you have the bass player artists, the ones that sing and play at the same time. And then you've got people like Esperanza where she has her own unique style and look and feel with the bass. I, I can't really, I can't really pinpoint one. And then you've got like Tal Wickenfield who in the, the fusion world, she's like, uh, like just amazing inspiration. There's, Gosh, and then you have Eden Nielsen and Rhonda Smith, who are kind of like the bass players for Prince. Like they were the bass players for Prince, and right. th they're innovators. These women are innovators. These women that I just mentioned—they they inspired me to start my journey. So they're all queens. Yeah, and it's you—you you named a bunch of a bunch of Prince ones, including Tal Wilkenfeld, who many Prince fans know did a lot of work on Prince's "Welcome to America." Mm -hmm. um, and she is, I don't know how old she is now. Um, I think 39. I that, around I that, yeah. I don't even think she's that old, is she? Or maybe, maybe. I don't maybe, know. I think she was 36. I just 80, 36. 36? Okay, yeah. yeah she, I mean, because I know she was out there. Like, she's one that inspired me, her Esperanza, like I mentioned, all of these amazing women. So, yeah, yeah she was Tal. Man, there's so many talented ones. Like, I right. can't, I, there's no way I could just put a crown on one. Yeah, she was 23 when she worked with Prince on Welcome to America. So, oh my God, that was so, so long ago. All right, let's just. Gosh, Prince has been gone a long time. I know. Yeah. Oh, me. You know. Uh, let's do some promo. You're on a break right now, but when the tour kicks back up, where are you going to be? What are some of the cities that you're going to be in or some of the states? So they can at least, you know. uh, Seattle. I'm headed to uh, Seattle next. Uh, this In two weeks, I'll be in Seattle at the Crocodile. It's for a festival called Black and Loud. I'm black <laughs> and I guess I'm loud. So I'm part of this festival. There you go. Um, <laughs> and Great. then I am on the East Coast in Maryland. And I don't know, I got to look at the dates, but you can go bandsintown.com slash Nick West. And then I, for the end of October through November, I head to Europe to finish out the tour. Yeah. Let's see if we can pull up your tour. That's where I follow you through, Bands in Town. 
Yeah. Yep. I was going to pull up to see if I could see where. A few more left. Yep. We're gonna yeah, you're gonna be at Annapolis, Maryland. Um, mm. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different places here, but yeah, you can go to, uh, and then you're going over to you're going to Belgrade, and and no, that's yeah, Belgrade. Belgrade. You're in Paris, mm-hmm. Portland, Maine. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people were saying come to Detroit. I saw. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I need to be. I need to go back to Detroit. I've performed there a few times actually, and two of those times I was actually, I've probably. Done Detroit five or six times, and two of those times I was the support act for Parliament Funkadelic. So I'll be back. That's that's one of my favorite crowds in Detroit. Yo, I got you. I'm coming back. Oh yeah, Detroit's a great place to play. Prince had yeah. a definitely had an affection for Detroit as well. Uh, and this is uh, the cover of Moody. Yes, yes. Uh, my background. Like third four. <laughs> You can go to Funkatopia.com slash Nick, N-I-K, F-U-N-K, that's F-U-N-K-A-T-O-P-I-A, Funkatopia.com slash Nick, and it will take you right to where you can buy Moody. It's okay if you want to take a listen to it first on Spotify, but please go and actually purchase the album. I would yes. much rather she get a better cut than point zero 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 one cent. Zero one two yes. three zero one oh. one five. Annoying. Yes. And then vinyl, vinyl are coming for those of you that love vinyl. Those oh, are on the yes. Those are on the way. <laughs> very, very cool. And of course, you can also, as expected, you can also go to nickwestbass.com and you can see all the places that she's playing. You can listen to some music. You can read a little bit about her bio. And then of course, you know, whatever else you want. Anything else you want to promote before you go? I don't I, I hate to cut you loose. I love we love having you here. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share with us before you go? I think you guys have covered it all. You you're the experts at doing this interview thing, and you 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 cover you covered it all. Yes, right. <laughs> we have because we don't know if we're going to get you on the show again. So we had to make sure we covered all the bases for sure. Right. Jeff Jeff Page, I like had to like he was like those midnight calls from Prince. He was just like, "When's Nick going to be on the show? When's Nick going to be on the show?" It's like, "Calm down, she's coming." Just and you know, and that's, and that's and I remember you from Atlanta and. Uh, my manager, one of my managers, uh, Shelly, I would say, um, that Funkatopia, like I'm supposed to do an interview. I know I have a tour, but can we see if they have any anything available while I'm on a break? So I was I was constantly thinking of y'all. I knew I, I knew I promised and I'm like, let me get let me get this, let me do this. Yeah, this is you and me in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You don't think you knew me then, but I was the guy with the with the Steve Martin hat. Yes, Steve Barton. <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't post my picture yet. It's it's in my phone though. <laughs> it's not the one you had blown up in like the poster size that you've got framed somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't it make you mad? <laughs> don't it make you mad? You make me mad. <laughs> All right, Nick, it was such an honor having you here with uh, Funkatopia Live. And uh, definitely, if you have any opportunity to go to nickwestbase.com, see when she is playing. If she's coming in your town, definitely go check it out. You will love it. And just make sure that when you get seats, you have a little room to stand up and dance, especially if it's at a city winery. <laughs> yeah.
Oh, Nick, we love you so much. And we really do. Thank you. Nothing, nothing but success and uh, good positive things for all for the rest of your tour. And uh, spend time with your kid and just chill and relax and do some fam time because that is absolutely the most important thing for your most health, important. your mental health, for sure. Yes. And yes. Uh, thank you so, so much, Nick, for coming on the show. And again, thank, thank you, you for, for having me. I'm glad we got a chance to do it. So much yep. fun. Thank you.